Welcome back into the Galloway Podcast. Glad you are listening. Today is Wednesday, September 25th, and this is episode 22. I'm your host, William Galloway. You can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. I'm joined by AJ Spur as my co-host tonight, recording from Reese Pfeiffer Hall here on the campus of the University of Alabama. AJ, welcome in. How are you? I'm doing mighty fine. Thanks for finally having me in person to uh, to record this. Usually we've done this over the phone. Done it over the phone and just about all my guests over the phone, but co-hosting um, the podcast is something relatively new for the podcast and now excited as we're kind of growing, mm-hmm. growing our marketing and stuff. Um, glad to have you. AJ is the USA Today sports media group writer for the University of Alabama. You can follow him on Twitter at SpurFM. He's the program director of 90.7 WVUA-FM here on campus at Alabama, covering all things Alabama athletics. Give him a follow, the Miami native uh, and fellow junior now at the University of Alabama. That's right. Miami native, it's rough sports-wise. Dolphins, bad. The Dolphins are in a bad season, but the Crimson Tide's in a good season. That's true, and that's what we're here to talk about. That's what we're here to talk about. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Um, It... We missed a week last week. I was very busy with tests. As you know, AJ, sometimes we journalism students have to do school, and that that kicks in, and so that was the case last week. Um, But we're glad you're here. This is episode 22. Give us a follow on Twitter and uh, tweet us with any thoughts, comments, questions, concerns you have about the podcast. Jumping right into it, uh, we're going to give a shout-out to our week three and four college football score prediction winners from Twitter and some of the responses we got. The South Carolina winners were Daniel Ashford uh, as he guessed Alabama 45, South Carolina 21, and Will Ward guessed Alabama 49 and South Carolina 21. They were both right there as the Crimson Tide took down the Gamecocks in Columbia 47 to 23. So Daniel Ashford and Will Ward from college football week three on the score prediction guesses. Those are our winners the last week. Um, Southern Miss, the winner was Zachary Ross, 49-10. The Crimson Tide took down the Golden Eagles of Southern Miss, 49-7. So those are our week three and four score prediction winners from Twitter. Twitter. Tune in every Friday, and you could win the score prediction if you guess it right. I'll tweet those tweets out on Friday so you can respond, and maybe there'll be some Galloway uh, podcast merchandise in the giveaway coming up soon on future score prediction guesses. So moving on into the topic of discussion for today, today's main topic, we'll get into some smaller discussions later after we talk Alabama football, but AJ, the Crimson Tide uh, is now 4-0. and Like I said, just recently got the win at South Carolina, the win versus Southern Miss, um, and Alabama has looked very impressive on offense, getting better on defense, but what are your thoughts so far as the Crimson Tide rolls into this weekend? Well, coming into this season, there wasn't all too many questions with the offense, probably with the offensive line more so than any of the skill positions, but really focusing in on this offense, because I think that's what's the most important and defining factor about the Crimson Tide in 2019. You know, he returned the Heisman finalist to Otunga Bailoa, probably his last season. Blitnikoff winner, Jerry Judy, most likely his last season. Um, You have Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and uh, Jalen Waddell, the rideout boys, as they like to be called. It's it's an unstoppable receiving core with an elite quarterback talent in Tua. Also, looking at the running backs, I love seeing Najee and Brian Robinson. It's not really a one-two punch, as many people thought it was going to be coming into this season. It almost just looks like Najee's a three-down back, Brian's a three-down back, and they'll alternate drives. It doesn't look as if there's a set guy or a set system for them to run in, but 
just all around this offense is just really exciting for me to it's, watch. It's so much fun to watch. A couple stats I was digging up this afternoon to prepare for this podcast. Uh, all four wideouts have over 1,000 career receiving yards at Alabama. Of course, Waddle's only a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Um, and Smith, Ruggs, and Judy are all juniors. Um, and there's even depth on the bench with guys like yeah. Shavers and other guys that just haven't had their name called um, in, in prominent roles so far this season. But Najee Harris, a stat I found – this afternoon was that Najee Harris had 112 rushing yards. That was the first time all season long that an Alabama running back has had over um, 100 yards rushing, and that's so surprising because Alabama is known for the running game. Steve Sarkeesian said at the beginning of the season, like, it's going to be centered around the run, and obviously it's been centered around the RPO in the pass, and Tua has, has kind of uh, gone for the passing more in the RPO than the run game. But a lot of questions to be answered about Alabama's running Alabama's offensive line, um, and when we look at the offensive line, AJ, what are what are some of your concerns um, in terms of just the consistency? Because I think we've seen a different starting front from Alabama mm-hmm. on offense in just about every game so far this season. Well, if, if we're getting technical with it, Alabama fans, and I even think this offense takes for granted, A, how quick and how elusive these wide receivers are, and how good of a quarterback and how quickly Tua can read all of his options. Just, it, it just seems like he gets the ball and the next thing you know, it's gone. So really it doesn't seem like this offensive line has to do much. But if you actually sit there and you watch them, if Tua had to take two more seconds to read his options or let the receivers get open, he'll be sacked or hit every single time. Coming into, I think it was what, South Carolina? There was one sack on the season. That's it. Plenty of quarterback hits, but only one sack. So, you know, going into that, and I think he actually got sacked twice in the first quarter of the South Carolina yeah. game. So yeah, on the surface... A very hostile environment, very, to add. Very hostile environment. But on the surface, it doesn't look as if there's anything there that should cause concern for any Alabama fans or this team at all. But in the off chance that, you know, Judy can't get open, Ruggs doesn't have his speed to carry him downfield, and Tua actually has to hold on to the ball, I'm not too comfortable letting Tua sit in the pocket, especially with his um, history. Right, injuries. right, and and being elusive and, and moving around in the pocket is something that he's been kind of on the fringe mm-hmm. of uh, in terms of just mobility in the backfield. When we look at the Crimson Tide this season, one thing, a topic of discussion that keeps on resurfacing, and it seems like it's been year after year, but student attendance. Um, for me personally, being from Birmingham and being an Alabama fan all of my life, mm-hmm knowing that we are literally in the golden age of Alabama football. And right now we have an opportunity to see this team for such a cheap price relatively um, as students and, and students not wanting to stay the whole games. And yeah, I get the 11 a.m. kickoffs and 2.30 kickoffs. But uh, one thing that you've been very adamant on Twitter about, and, and a lot of students will vouch for themselves and the media sometimes will attack the students. And there's just opinions all over the place on this, but it's students staying for the game for 60 minutes. I did a piece for WVUA TV this weekend on the early kickoff times, the day kickoff times. Raekwon Davis said in the interview that he doesn't really care whenever they play because his job is to show up and his job is to play. And whether that's at 11 a.m. or whether that's at, at 8 at night, which the Crimson Tide haven't had a night game. We don't know if they will this year. <laughs> we'll, we'll the, the, players, the players are going to show up. But, A.J., go ahead and spill your thoughts on the student attendance, on the criticism the students <sighs> receive from the media and kind of the fairness scale of this whole situation. You know, it's funny that we're actually talking about this right now, because I don't know if you remember this, but the first time you and I actually got behind a microphone and did any sort of broadcasting together, 
was on a Tide 102.9 and we were brought in as right. a student round Just table. about a year ago. I, yeah, right around this time, it was ULL was the game that we'd played. And we were just told to talk about our thoughts on student attendance. Back then, it seemed as if it was a entertainment issue. You know, something more focused on, well, Bama's blowing them out. We don't want to be there. Now, I think the conversation has shifted completely to the safety and health concerns of the students. Yeah, I know we were talking about it before we started here, but that little scuffle I got in on Twitter with a, uh, let's see, she says she's 63 years old. I'm not going to say her name, but I want to read what she said. So I had said something regarding the heat and the hydration factors coming into that game against, what was it, New Mexico State? New Mexico State. I'm it was that game. So this um, 63-year-old Bama fan on Twitter, she comes at me and says, the students are young and healthy. Many have very, many have a very short walk to the stadium. If they don't drink excessively and stay hydrated, they should be fine. I'm a 63-year-old female, walk at least one to two miles one way, that's important, to the stadium, and I can do it. Kids these days are soft. Ooh, fighting words. I, I, listen, I know I tweet a lot. I get annoying on Twitter. I know it. My family lets me know it. My friends let me know it. I went off on this woman. And it was just a really long thread, but, you know, I know too many people that were there that left early, not because they were bored, not because they were tired. I know people that had heat stroke. They had to get taken to the hospital. They I think there be, were 12 calls to DCH. There were 24 calls to DCH. Double that, 24. I think 50 or 60-something people had to seek medical attention right outside Bryant-Denny or inside Bryant-Denny. And, you know, Greg Byrne even took note of this. They added more hydration stations in the concourse. They added misting stations. Right. I don't know if you were going to get to this. But, you know, it, it's, it's something that was recognized as an issue. So it's not something that's going to be overlooked. It's not something that we were making up as just, you know, young students. This was an actual problem that needed to be faced. And, you know, it's sad that it took, what was it, 24 calls to a DCH for something to actually happen. Right. But my biggest thing is, yes, people back in the 80s, the 90s, the 70s, they didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have, well, they did, but, you know, not yeah. in the stadium. Yeah. They I'm not, ain't I'm not talking. Right. But, Misting you know, fans, technology like that, luxuries. water monsters. And, you know, for them to say, well, we didn't have it, so you shouldn't either. My take on that is, okay, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not discrediting your fandom back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. What I'm saying is, if we can afford to offer these, dare I say, necessities to students, right? why not? You know, why withhold it just because when it's, it when it's high 90s, like feels like 100 coming off the field. Mm -hmm. And I literally saw my friends passing out yeah. and, and leaving the game because, yeah, they want their tied loyalty points, but not at a risk of passing out and, you know, having damage yeah. uh, because they're, they're overheated at a football game. Uh, one, one thing... I want to give a shout out to Greg Byrne because he did a great mm -hmm. job of immediately jumping on the case. He, he's oh, yeah. always interacted with with fans on Twitter. I mean, he comes in in person too. He comes in the upper deck and in away games, and he, he talks to fans, talks to students, uh, and he immediately jumped on it. And he got misting fans, and he got more water monsters for the Southern Miss game last week. And he's he's incentivizing um, people to stay and people to to be hydrated and healthy and he tweets you know sunscreen tips and, and this that and the other so he's advocating that we do everything we can and also he and dr uh bell and coach saban are advocating for the university for the team to play more night games and, yeah. and get a more prominent feature and when you look on the field at the, at the 
at the results that Alabama's been putting out, the Crimson Tide have been carrying the SEC for the past yeah. 10 years. Georgia's come into the picture late. LSU has been on and off. But Alabama, when it comes to SEC football, has been the cream of the crop. Yeah, consistently. And, and Greg Byrne tweeted out, and I think I did the research, that it was 10. It's been 10 day games, so played kicking off at 3 o'clock or before. Mm-hmm. In the month of September, there's been 10 since 2014 That's for Alabama. That's more than any other school in the SEC uh, and Alabama since then and before 2014 has been carrying the SEC when it comes to ratings, when it comes to uh, being just the best team on the field and one of the best teams in the country. And the fact that games cannot be uh, at, at 5, at 6.30, at 6 o'clock, 7, whatever, um, is, is just surprising to me. Now, LSU, I think, has gotten two 11 a.m. games in a row now where they've got an 11 coming up. This week, and they've got 11 a.m. the following week. I think that'll be October 5th. But Alabama's been carrying the league. Yeah. Alabama deserves that at least 2.30, 3 o'clock, if not 6 o'clock, 6.30 game. A couple things about, you know, you touched on LSU. I'll talk about them in a sec. But the Alabama-South Carolina game, I'm not saying that's a that's a matchup the nation wants to see. You know, it, granted, Alabama went into that knowing – they were going to win by a right. sizable margin. Right, didn't play a great game either. No. And but it's still it's still an SEC matchup. And the last time these two faced, you know, Nick Saban has a or prior to this game had a one and one record against South Carolina. Right back in what was it 2010? You know, two thousand nine Alabama won in Bryant Denny. Two thousand ten, Mark Ingram had a heck of a game that he did. Lost in twenty ten in Columbia. This is their first time facing off since then. So they get a. 3.30 Eastern kickoff. You know who got the 7.30 kickoff in the SEC that day? That week was... No, I don't. Off the top of my head. It was Auburn. And do you know who they played? Tulane? Kent State. Kent State that weekend. Kent yeah. State. Now, yeah. I, there were not... I will say this. There, for the SEC on CBS purposes, they get CBS gets priority. They want to pick the best game of the week. That was going to have the highest rating, so they get that. But... Still, I mean, that was scorching in Columbia. Oh, yeah. you, you were there. Players, players were cramping. Yeah, I was there. Um, it was a fun game. <laughs> it was a very fun game. I, and, and, and side note, Sandstorm is very cool the first time you hear it, but after that, I, I'm sick of it. I can't listen well, to I it I just again. love Columbia. I went there last year for the Georgia-South Carolina game. I, I love their atmosphere, but that's that's, 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 that's yeah. You also talked about CBS right there. CBS, what they do is their primetime kickoffs, once a year they have a 7.30 primetime. Right. Other than that, it's all 2.30. So that way they don't have to compete with ESPN, SEC Network, and some of the other big networks. This LSU game that Alabama's going to be playing, it's most likely, what, going to be a 2-3? and Going to be a, yeah. It'll be a 2-3 and three by then. That's going to be a 2.30 kickoff. It will be. Just Here not not guaranteed. Uh, we know it's not. Yeah, it's not know, but read, written in stone. It's probably going to be 2.30, meaning... And you said maybe we don't even have any night games. The only night game I could see on this schedule would be Arkansas. Arkansas. And that's only because it's homecoming. It's homecoming. There'll be the parade. Mm -hmm. And the Alabama officials have been down the back of the SEC requesting night games. Um, And I think we'll figure out next Monday uh, when that game will be. Yeah. Because that's the 12th. That'll be October 12th. We will see what Alabama comes out with. Um, 
And, and, and going back to that LSU game, CBS obviously gets the rights. And I think if they wanted to pay a large sum of money, they could do another night game. I'm not sure the, the legality of that, but they get first pick that week, and they get first pick every week, and they're going to want that game because it's going to be probably top four, at, at least top five, unless LSU lays an egg versus Auburn and Florida. So – That'll end up being CBS's priority, and I don't think they're going to want to pay the money to get to that no. another night game because that's so much money out of pocket when they can just profit off of um, that two thirty game. And, and and another thing too, that Alabama LSU game for years has been the night game, and it has been not competitive since. 2015, 2014, and so I think they finally said it's time to move on. And obviously this Notre Dame-Georgia game this past week was very successful. It was a really good game. But when it comes to just kind of switching things up, I think they kind of saw the light in the end of the tunnel. They're like, all right, we need to move on here. But all of a sudden, LSU comes in. They've had a fantastic start to their season, and people are like, whoa, now this is going to be a top-five matchup, at worst a top-eight matchup if LSU drops a game. And this has to be a night game, but in the forecast, we know in all likelihood it'll be two thirty. And look at last year; it bothered me so much. It was a night game last year. And the reason why I remember this is because the only thing I heard for about two weeks leading up to that game was, "Well, you know, Bama better watch out." You know why? It's a night game in Death Valley. Night, night. The, the phrase "night game in Death Valley" was in my head day and night when I slept. When I woke up, it was the first thing I heard. And I mean, it was 29. And, and yeah, they hung a bagel on. <laughs> I mean, good heavens. You know who Alabama will hang a bagel on this weekend? The Rebels of Ole Miss or the Black Bears or the Land Sharks. I don't know what they're called right they're now. They're a little bit of everything. They they're like a little to... bit of everything. They're going to win the party this weekend? <laughs> no, they're not because it's in Tuscaloosa. And all the fraternities and I think sororities have their bid days. So not a whole lot of Ole Miss student presence will be in Tuscaloosa unless those students want to pay multi-hundred dollar fines. But that's a side note. Um, looking at the game this weekend. What challenges does Ole Miss pose to Alabama, if any? Because Coach Saban, I think he said Monday in his press conference that this could be one of the best teams that Alabama's played to date when I think it's obviously South Carolina on the road because that was such a challenging game. Well, look, I don't, I don't know how to put this nicely. I don't think there's anything threatening. Pound the um, over. I think it's 37 oh, and a half. It's 30, it, if it's 37 and a half in Bryant-Denny, pound, pound the over so hard that you know, I, I tried to think of something there. Right. I almost said pound the over so hard that it becomes the under. <laughs> I'll, I'll make I'll make it my own thing. We'll, we'll figure that out later. But there's nothing threatening about this Ole Miss team. Nothing. Nothing at all. This is their first season. Um, finally done with sanctions. This is this is their rebuild year. Now, actually, I, do you think Matt Luke will be the coach next year? I do. Okay. I, I don't think you can give up on him that fast. Ask me again in two years. We'll no. See if he I, he'll be gone in two years. I think. But. You know, coming into this game, there's one factor that I actually like about this Ole Miss team. Because I think they, they could have something within the next two to three years. Their quarterback. Ole Miss? True front. Yeah, Ole Miss. Okay. And now you sound like a Tennessee fan saying, this is our year. Uh, I mean, that's – it becomes – what is the definition of insanity? Just doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results? That's – Yes. That's the life of a Tennessee That's fan. Tennessee. But Matt Corral is a true freshman quarterback – for Ole Miss, I got to talk with him at SEC Media Days. 
he knows about the history of Ole Miss. He knows about the history between Ole Miss and Alabama and how it's very heavily sided towards the Crimson Tide. He knows what to do with this Ole Miss team. I'm, I'm convinced that starting him as a true freshman and letting him just play it out is going to lead to actually really good things um, with him, with Coach Luke, and Ole Miss. I mean, they lost um, A.J. Brown. They lost D.K. Metcalf. You know, I don't even know who's their quarterback. Tamu? Tamu last Tamu? year, yeah. You know, they lost him. This is a, in my opinion, a new look Ole Miss that will not do anything to Alabama. Surprised they're even seeing the field. No, but he could do something against LSU because that LSU defense is not not what it used where to it be. used to be. No. So I think, and that, that's another thing I want to talk about LSU with uh, Joe Burrow and everything, because he's looking Heisman worthy at this point. But there's different parts of these major schools within the SEC, where especially the SEC West, really, where things have been plucked out, but another part has seemed to shine through. So like with Ole Miss last year, their wide receiving core, in my opinion, elite. I'll say it. I, I, I really liked AJ and DK. I, I loved the two of them. With LSU, their defense, probably top two defense in the SEC. Both of those teams are gone, right. but now they found something new. I think LSU, you know, granted it's uh, Joe Burrow's last season, they found something in him. And as he approaches he's 30 years old. <laughs> he's, he's the Hunter Renfro of the <laughs> SEC. And now Ole Miss has um, Matt Corral, which I think is actually going to be somebody. I think he's going right. to be somebody good. He's entering the SEC at a time where a lot of the other big SEC quarterbacks are getting ready to leave. Yeah. Jake Fromm, Tua, Joe Burrow, Kelly Bryant for his lone SEC career. You know, Felipe yeah. Franks, who knows what he's going to be doing. Oh, I, I love Felipe Franks. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, definitely can run the state of Mississippi there. Um, <laughs> I don't think with, it's that hard to do. With, with not too much opposition <laughs> coming from Starkville. Uh, we'll, get, we'll hit on... LSU here in a second, but before we jump to LSU, a couple more things about Alabama that I wanted to point out. This is a little bit on a lighter note. Um, there was a video taken and posted on Twitter that I saw the wide receivers, and I think it was Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy playing rock, paper, scissors to mm -hmm. pick out a position this weekend because they knew the play call and they knew it was going to be a touchdown based on the coverage and their abilities. Uh, we are watching Alabama wide receivers that literally play games on the field. Rock, paper, scissors. And by the way, it's called rock, paper, scissors. It's not called anything else. Not scissors, what rock, paper. People, I didn't know they were called I, it, it I, don't, I don't know. But that's beside the point. But we are literally watching these guys play rock, paper, scissors to catch touchdowns because they are so good that they know they're going to score on a given play. This is unreal. Uh, Alabama has never seen anything like this. I don't know if college football no. has ever seen anything like this. Football in general. I don't think you've seen this anywhere else. This is insane. And I don't think people appreciate it enough. Mm -mm. Unreal. All right, we're throwing that out there. Also, on a, on a note of unreal, Henry Ruggs' speed, he was tracked at 23.4 miles an hour. Jeff Allen, Alabama's trainer, quoted the tweet using, um, oh, whatever that technology is that, that Alabama puts in the back of their shoulder pads. And Henry Ruggs was tracked at 23.4 miles an hour. Um, a cheetah can get a, an ESPN put this graphic up on the game that I saw last weekend on Twitter, compared him to a deer, an ostrich, a cheetah, a grizzly bear, and Usain Bolt and, Hen and Henry Ruggs. I mean, a speed uncommon. I saw him run the 110 uh, meter dash in high school in the state championship. And you knew the race was over before it even started. 
I mean, the guy has got wheels. One thing to take note of here is he's running 23.4 miles per hour with a ball in one hand, a helmet on, full pads, people running behind him, and having to – he's not running a straight right. line. He's maneuvering, you know, trying to break tackles, cut. You compared him to some animals, or ESPN compared him to some animals right. like Saint Bolt. Let me put it this way. He ran so fast in most parts of the country, he would get pulled over and ticketed for speeding in a school speed zone Golly. while running full speed. Golly. And almost up to 25 miles an hour, almost reaching the speed almost, limit yeah. on, on city roads. Mm-hmm. Good heavens. On top of that, in uh, the same week that he ran that, Bears wide receiver court Daryl Patterson hit 22.23 miles per hour which is a full mile per hour less than Ruggs did on a 45-yard touchdown, which was the fastest in the league since Brandon Cooks, who ran 22.4, which is still an entire mile per, mile per hour slower less. than Ruggs. Which means Henry Ruggs right now in college football is running speeds so fast that he's blowing NFL wide receivers that are setting records in the dust. Out of the water. And we don't even know. Like, we have that one number, 23.4. We don't know about his explosiveness off mm-hmm. the line. We don't, like, there hasn't been tweets about Jerry Judy or Jalen Waddle and them no. getting off the line, maybe not getting a pass, like being open. Judy's been open plenty of times, and, and two has had a different read. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, those guys could be going even faster. And, and I think it would just be Waddle because Waddle and Ruggs are, I believe, the fastest two on the team. Um but this is insane. I mean, think about that speed. It's completely unreal. Uh, wrapping up the talk about Alabama before we shift to another topic, Bryce Young, the number two dual-threat quarterback in the 2020 class, committed to Alabama earlier this week after his visit with the Crimson Tide against Southern Miss. Um, that is going to be a huge pickup, and it's also going to bring a lot of quarterback discussion going into this offseason. Oh, yeah. It's will be headed to the NFL. Bryce Young will be in the locker room. Not sure if he's going to be an early enrollee yet. I assume he would be. But you'll have uh, Mac Jones in the mix as a senior. You'll have Talia, Paul Tyson. So that quarterback room um, will be not shy of talent next no. next spring. Um, if we're talking quarterbacks for 2020, if it's not Mac Jones and they decide – it's either Mac Jones, who I think is in the lead, right. or it'll be Talia versus Bryce Young. I'm sorry, Paul, but you know Paul Tyson's out of the conversation in my book. If Mac Jones is not named the starter going into the offseason, Mac Jones is gone. Yeah, he's, I believe so, too. He still has two years of eligibility left. Yeah. You know, because he redshirted freshman year. And with that four-game rule now. Exactly. So now he can take those two years and actually build a career elsewhere. Right. I wouldn't blame him for that. I've even seen people say, you know, maybe Mac Jones transfers, Jake Bentley transfers in, because now he'll be a graduate with one year left on his uh, eligibility. Yeah, but if you're get, if you're getting a guy that's as good as Bryce Young, and you were talking mm-hmm. about this earlier, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen Bryce Young and what he can do, go look up a video of him it's because scary. he looks like a young Jalen Hurts with so much talent. I think he looks like what Jalen Hurts looks like right now at the exactly. high school level, and he, can, he has the arm strength of Tua. I, he's flicking his wrist, he and he's barely he's barely moving in the pocket. Mm-hmm. It's unreal how talented he is. His arm strength, uh, and he's got some very impressive runs too. But one, the the simplicity of his throws mm-hmm. and his arm strength really is what wowed me when I watched a couple videos on him. And he's quick not only on his feet but also reading his options and making a decision. If if you right. actually watch anything that he does, and I don't know if it's up what's up with Matter Day, if it's their offensive line, he has to run quite a bit. And really quick, too, after he gets the ball. 
He's out. He's running, reading his options, and just like that, it, it's gone. And it, he's his highlights, at least, none of them are within 15 yards. We're talking deep passes that he make look. He, I can't, I can't speak. They look effortless. Yeah. I'll just say yeah. that. It's unreal. He looks like an Alabama player for sure. Uh, Absolutely. Moving to Twitter questions. We're going to go through these, and then we can talk about um, LSU because LSU might come up in the conversation. But scrolling through Twitter here, uh, questions that you wanted answered, um, serious questions, that is. We're not going to answer Luke Ratliff's questions about Ben Quakers. and uh, James Urban asked, will the Tide cover the spread again this year? I think they cover this weekend against – Ole Miss, uh, uh, take take the over on 37 and a half. Um, Pound the over so hard it becomes the under. It becomes the under. Who's on the hot seat as of now? This is from Will Ward. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt, Derek Mason, Will Muschamp, or Chad Morris. Whose seat is the hottest? Jeremy Pruitt, Derek Mason, Will Muschamp, or Chad Morris? I, I had my answer as soon as I heard his name. Jeremy Pruitt. I believe so, too. Um, I, there was there was a point, I think it was after they lost to BYU, that I really thought yeah. he would be back in Tuscaloosa by the end of the week. Oh, yeah. I, I am not even convinced he'll finish this season with, with the Volunteers. you got to wonder what goes through Philip Fulmer's mind watching these games. you got to wonder what goes through his mind just on any given moment. <laughs> just, he was walking around. But, no, I, I don't anticipate Jeremy Pruitt, A, being their coach beyond this season, if the current trend continues of him just dropping games like Georgia State and BYU. You can't be competitive in the SEC and lose to Georgia State, who they paid nearly a million dollars to play right. in their season-opening matchup. That's and a tough check to write. Have a embarrassing loss to BYU at home again. So yeah. that there's there's my answer. I'm saying Jeremy. Brown. Last question coming from Twitter from Josh Clacker. Do you think the young Alabama defense will have time to mature and gel up before going against Joe Burrow in November? And this kind of leads us into our LSU discussion, which we'll have briefly, mm-hmm. and then. Close up with some final topics here on the Galloway podcast. Thank you for listening. I do think that I don't, you know, I don't even think they need time to gel and mature. I think that what we're seeing now is just beginning of the season rust. You know, injuries have happened. People have, you know, Yabi Noma gone. Right. You know, things happen in the offseason. And when you start a new season, you introduce some freshmen, you introduce some young players that are on the team that were on the team, but maybe didn't see the field there a freshman, sophomore year. It just happens. I think by LSU, the Bama defense will be more than fine. Yeah, and the Crimson Tide had a, whatever the math is on that, 24-point win at South Carolina. Uh, it was really hot. It was a really tough place to play, and it was a 24-point win. Honestly, should have been a 31-point win, but I don't think people think about the, the confidence boost that that win gave Alabama's defense, relatively young defense, Um Going into to the rest of the season, going into you know get, getting to fine tune things um, against Southern Miss, and then I think really we're going to see them hit their stride this weekend against Ole Miss, kicking off the conference home opener. So a couple of stats that I was digging up this weekend: Alabama has won 28 straight at home, so looking for their 29th win at home. This is the 67th meeting between Alabama and Ole Miss. The Crimson Tide is 26 and two in Tuscaloosa, 54, 10 and two all time. Uh, Alabama won last year 62-7 to in Oxford. That was a really, really fun game, except for the first minute and a half. Uh, what else? Alabama's looking for its 87th consecutive win versus an unranked team. Last week, Jared Maiden had a career-high eight tackles versus Southern Miss, so a big week for Maiden in the secondary there for the Crimson Tide. Alabama has had 500-plus yards of offense um, in all four games this season, and I think maybe one 
definitely won maybe two games in, in the 600-yard mark. Um, talked about Najee Harris having over 100 yards. I was the first running back this season to do that for Alabama. Uh, mentioned wide receivers. All wideouts have over 100 career reception yards. Uh, and also the TD list. When you look at Alabama and the career touchdown receptions, Jerry Judy is number two at 22. Henry Ruggs is at 21, so they're chasing each other. They've surpassed Calvin Ridley, who had 19. Amari Cooper is still sitting on the throne of career touchdown receptions at Alabama with 31. I think Judy will chase him this year and hunt him down. I I don't know if it's going to be Judy or Ruggs, if I'm being honest. I, I almost wanted to just play Because the heat's turning up Ruggs. on Ruggs, and he's playing so well. Yeah, and his, his draft stock, he's already projected late first round with the more spotlight – he gets with the speed and his touchdowns and his elusiveness too. Coming into the season, everybody thought Jerry Judy was the joystick. Watch Henry Ruggs play because I guarantee you, you'll think he's just as good as Judy um, on his feet. I, I think at least one of them reaches uh, the uh, Cooper mark by the end of the season, by the end of the regular season. Yeah. I think they reach it. I'm really excited. I mean, because it's just like, pick your poison, you know? <laughs> it goes back to that that – Rock, paper, scissors yeah. that they do, which is just beyond me. Um, which, by the way, what's your go-to in rock, paper, scissors? For the first go-around? Yeah. I'm a scissors guy. You're a scissors guy? Okay. Um, I would say I'm more of a rock guy just because you don't change. You know, mm-hmm. rock, paper, scissors, shoot, rock. Uh, but you got you got to play best two out of three. I wonder, I wonder if they play two out of three or if they just go straight it up. It looked to me like it was just straight up. Straight up. So... We'll we'll, t- we'll take note. We'll be watching closely this weekend and and look for those those rock paper scissors um, and see what their go to is. They Jumping around the world of sports, Tony Bennett turned down his pay raise to help fund Virginia athletics across the board. That that was something he talks about uh, servant leadership all the time and and being uh, a servant of the program. That was so cool to see Tony Bennett turn down. I think it was a half a million dollar pay raise and to help. Fun UVA athletics. That was that was really really cool to see. So shout out to him on that. Of course, the Hoos won the national championship last year, going thirty five and three. Tony Bennett is two hundred and fifty four uh, and eighty nine with seven NCAA tournament appearances at Virginia. So shout out to the Hoos there. Definitely jumped on the bandwagon last year when my brother went there. It was a good year to jump on the bandwagon. I almost wore my Virginia shirt today, but I didn't. What were you wearing today? What was I wearing yeah. today? Oh, oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I was wearing an Ole Miss shirt. Um, I got a lot of questions, and it was the first shirt that I grabbed. So that's okay. It was it was for a workout. Yeah. Sorry to flex, but I, yeah. I can't blame you for it. And it's weird that you were wearing that because you know what I was wearing today? What a UCF Golden Knights shirt. Oof. So we were both uh, walking targets. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Uh, not really. Two shirts not very highly looked upon here at the University of Alabama. And the Braves win the NL East. I know you're a Marlins guy because you're from Miami, AJ. But, but I have adopted the Braves as my October team. Okay. For now. We'll take you. For now. Um, I, I mean, I jumped back on the bandwagon. I was there in April, fell off, and then I'm like, uh, uh, hey, I'm back. Yeah, the Braves Marlins are the playoffs. Are just, the Marlins are just so bad. I don't even, like, claim Where do you them. begin? But the highlight – between them and the Dolphins, I just I'm gonna start saying I'm from like Alabama or something. <laughs> I just I can't claim Miami anymore. Um, Alabama basketball started its first official practice yesterday. Uh, a lot of a lot of notes there from the limited video that I saw on Twitter. Um, looks like Alabama's pushing the pace. The guards are picking up in the full court, which is incredible. 
Um, didn't see a whole lot of that ever until like the last two minutes when Alabama was down last year in the past couple of years. Uh, really excited to see them push the pace. Kyra Lewis, I think, said in an interview that they're trying to get a shot off within seven to eight seconds. So kind of that Mark D'Antonio mentality. Uh, I saw John Petty in one video go, they're pushing the ball at the court and they got a shot off uh, by the 18-second mark on the shot clock. And, of course, that's just 12 seconds in. So Crimson Tide Hoops and Nate Oates mm. is in session. You know, you know probably better than anyone else my obsession with Nate Oates. With Nate Oates, which, Coach Oates, if you ever listen to this podcast, you are welcome to come on anytime. Um, I'll give you free merchandise, whatever, you know, T-shirts, hats, we'll get them made. Coach Oates, you have the open invite to the Galloway podcast. I also just want to see him again so I can apologize for awkwardly asking to take a picture with him while he was getting Chick-fil-A in Atlanta. Coach game. Oates loves Chick-fil-A. Noted. That's my can, coach. Can confirm Alabama men's basketball head coach Nate Oates loves Chick-fil-A. Loves Chick-fil-A. But real quick, I also think that the pressure is on Nate Oates. Oh, that, With, it, it is such a tough job to walk into. Not only that, but all the hype that's been built up this offseason, seeing what he's done in Buffalo, seeing what he's been doing with this team here in Alabama, taking them to a military boot camp for work. I mean, you see, these guys are big now. I mean, we're not, we're not talking about... Fast, too. Big guys, Raymond Hawkins, moving up and down the court. It looks on social media like they are the team to beat. I saw, what was it, Stadium.com had them ranked 13th in a top preseason top 25. There no, is pressure. None of these teams have on, played a second of basketball. I mean, Alabama lost the NIT first round. And so. is, is top 15 right now. Exactly. So, the pressure's on Oates. I don't think that if this season doesn't go his way, you know... Pulling Avery Johnson into a buyout, right? I, I, I'm there's there's a lot I'm of pressure saying, for sure. I would feel the heat. If that's I it's a it's a tough that's a tough job to walk into just oh, because yeah. of the expectations. But Alabama basketball is I think just 41, 42, 40 something in that 40s. range in the low forties days away. First game against Penn November fifth in Coleman Coliseum. I'll be there. I will. Most likely, be you there. will be there. You know who will be there is NATO. So we know where he's going to be on I November fifth. Can confirm he will be there. Um, Alabama basketball. Really excited about that. Shout yeah. out to Britton Johnson. Follow him on Twitter. He's really cool. This has been the Galloway Podcast. We want you to buy Galloway Podcast merchandise. Hats are now for sale. Koozies are becoming for sale in the next week or so, and we're going to do stickers as well. So follow me on Twitter at wm underscore Galloway. Uh, for all information about how to get your hat, how to get your Galloway podcast hat, we're going to do some social media giveaways. Uh, they're white Nike hats with the logo on the front and the Nike on the back. We're going to do some black hats and do some special like limited edition giveaways. So be sure to follow on Twitter. Be on the lookout for that. Any and all of your support is so much appreciated. You can follow AJ Spur on Twitter at SpurFM. And just stay tuned for uh, podcast merchandise because it is really cool. And I promise you, you won't want to miss out on these podcast hats, koozies, stickers, and more. This is the Galloway Podcast, episode 22. On behalf of AJ Spur, I'm William Galloway. Thank you for listening. Tweet us with any questions, comments, concerns regarding Nate Oates' whereabouts, regarding Alabama basketball, Alabama football. This is the Galloway Podcast where there's the right way, there's the wrong way. AJ, say it. And there's the Galloway.